Blog Talk Radio. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. Your hosts are here for the show tonight to interview our special guests. A show highlight, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, boxing, tennis, golf, story. Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, tune in for all the news and scores, reporting on the games, and so much more, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Welcome everybody to another great episode of the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. I'm Allen. Always a pleasure to be with you tonight. And we're going to have Aaron just a bit later. He had his son had a ward tonight, so he's on his way to join us a bit later. But congratulations to his son, Jacob, on his big award tonight. We got a jam-packed show for you tonight. Definitely a lot of great things we're going to discuss. But first and foremost, we got to thank our great sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. So I want to thank our great sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. Feel free to pick up a four-pack at flbbqsauce.com. And it's flbbqsauce.com. Back, let's hear a little bit of a great song. About Chef G's. Comes in four varieties. Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. A natural flavor. Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. Florida gold honey mustard. On burgers and red on pork and sausage, a classic taste for chicken steak chips, a hot heat wave on meatballs and ham, it's a cookout treat, Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. Serve on fish and vegetables, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, Chef G's 
Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. That song was made by our great music producer, Sam Scola. Thank you, Sam Scola. Appreciate yourself. And we also appreciate your wife, Mary, too. So we're going to have a fantastic show for you tonight. In fact, we have our first call on the line. Let's bring them on. Hey, how you doing so far tonight, Lou? Great to hear, buddy. How you been? Well, let's just put it this way. I know I'm a sports bar, but I got everything all lined up. Say one more time, you broke up. Let's just say, I, I don't have a sports bar, but I got all the games lined up. I got two computers now, I got the set, all the three different games. So, uh, I'm all set. Wow. So, yeah, you're all set is right. You're doing great. Yeah. That's fantastic. And um, definitely, it's been big, the NFL draft, and also the signing. So, what do you think about the draft so far? Well... I still think the rain, I still think the uh, Jets are going to need some help, and I don't think that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to carry us to a Super Bowl. I'll tell you that right now. Everybody's thinking that's going to happen. No, he may give us a winning season. Yes, a wild card. Yes, but I think everybody's overreacting just how well he's going to do. So it's going to get cleared right now. I wasn't surprised on the top picks, of course. I mean that was that was a given right there. So nothing really surprised me on that at all. Yeah, I mean definitely, I I, I agree with you with the picks as well as Aaron. I just think the Jets do have a very good team. I'll say that much. And definitely they're going to improve in quarterback play with Aaron. They were missing a a very reliable quarterback. So I definitely think they upgraded in that, but I I agree with you. I think that's a big stretch to say you're going to win a Super Bowl because you still have to beat, you know, you're still not going to be in the category of the Eagles or the Chiefs, you understand what I'm saying? Those teams are still yeah. going to be better than you. Even though you have a lot of talent, what are your thoughts about them competing against some of the better teams in the, in, in their division and out of their division? Hmm. Uh, it's too soon to tell right now, of course. I mean, we're only in April. So that has to, yeah. that has yet to be seen. But, I mean, outside of Super Bowl, what are your thoughts about them getting Aaron? Well, after months of being procrastinators, at least they finally got the job done. But still, it doesn't mean, you know, you're going to be, you know, Super Bowl champions. But anyway, welcome to the new Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Yeah, so <laughs> at least, you know, here in Green Bay, they don't have to deal with the drama anymore. I, I think it was a situation. Now that, we have to. Yeah, and I think I think it's going to work out well for Aaron and the Jets. What I mean by that is that but sometimes when you get a fresh start, things change for you. And I think it's good for him in that regard that he gets a fresh start. My concern with him is, how do you think Aaron's going to deal with the, the New York media? Oh, that's going to be murder. If he does well, the media's not going to harp on him. But if he does awful or if he gets injured, it'll be like a big bust. And like, oh, what do we get him for? You know, so it's going to depend all on him. Yeah, that's the part that I really I concern myself with him. Dealing with New York media is very different than dealing with, you know, Green Bay media. They're night and day. 
I mean, yeah, especially a guy like him who he loves drama. They can trap you into drama at any point in New York, the New York meter. That's yes, they're they relentless in that. They're relentless in that. And but you know, yes, I was on the east side for the Jets. The first person I thought about was you. I uh, know. I think you were like, oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> And now that the XFL regular season is over, now that the XFL regular season is over, I wanted to get your thoughts on what do you think about the XFL now that the season is over? I just like you guys blew it. You know, I wasn't even sure they'd make it past the third week, but you did. So I'll give you credit on that. Yeah, they sure did. And they did say before the season was over, three or four, I guess around game six or seven out of ten, they said XFL 2024 is coming back. So they had notified people kind of early that it's going to be back. So it's, well, it, that already is, is it's kudos right there. But, yeah. Well, so, let's, see how they, let's see how they do it their second year. Yeah, that that's going to be interesting well, to see what changes you're going to make. Remember, the WLAF, even though it went to a second season, folded in midseason. So, you're not safe yet. No, I agree. I think anytime you have a business, as they say, the first three to five years are the biggest hurdles to get by. If you can Absolutely. make it past the first three to five years, then you're doing good. So, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's time to celebrate yet, even though it is something to be proud no. of that they're going to have yeah. another season in 2024. But I agree with you. They have to keep on innovating. They have to keep the interest high. They have to make sure everybody's happy. As long as you keep doing that, I think you'll be fine. But you're right. Hey, I got a question for you. I got a question for sure. you. Sure. They've been making a, they've been making a, um, a big a big fuss about what was one supposed to be one of the uh, top uh, players drafted. Um, you know, he was supposed to be the first round. He goes by the name of um, uh, Will uh, Levis. He wasn't drafted in the first round. He had to wait until the second round to get there. So that might have been a surprise. What do you think? Do you think maybe he should have been drafted in the first, or was that just, you know, pushing it? I mean, it's not terrible, but, you know, his uh, numbers in his senior year were nothing like like his junior and probably his uh, sophomore year. So I think there was a little bit of concern why he wasn't drafted in the first round. Yeah, that's a great question, Lou. I, I checked into this. I, did, I checked into this. I didn't look at just the memes that people put up on social media. I kind of l- looked into it more. And it, after getting some more research on him, it does actually, it does not surprise me he went down to the second round because of the fact that not only there was two things that was really sticking out to me. Number one, yes. he came across very cocky. When you come across cocky and you're oh, a quarterback, there's a problem there. You understand? People don't want to draft somebody who they don't feel is coachable, number one. And number two, he had a nagging foot injury that Uh, I think he – that was another thing. He had a nagging foot injury where he had to miss two games. So with those factors in place, it does not surprise me that he got drafted in the second round. I think his biggest problem was he was feeling himself too much and started kind of like – tweeting out and boasting that he's going to go in the first round and that hurt him, you know, and, and, you know, and and that's the thing. He's, he's got a beautiful girlfriend. I don't know if his girlfriend is really 
his girlfriend girlfriend meaning i looked at the social media page and yes she's on it and vice versa but is she really your girlfriend or is she just a girl that you're that you're hanging out with and you know not a serious relationship but you're hanging out with it makes you look good you understand what i'm saying like i don't know yeah. with him there was a lot of question marks yeah. and to your point lou it's your point, Lou. When you're trying to get drafted at a high level, you can't be cocky, number one, and number two, you can't be doing stuff to get clout. You gotta be you gotta be focused on football. You can't be doing stuff to just look good. No. Yeah. Your your it character is, is gonna show. You cannot do stuff just for clout what and just to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Go ahead, Lou. But it seems like you lost your character. Yeah, you got to stay grounded, man. And after doing the research and checking into him, I didn't have any predis—I didn't have any like predisposition against him. I don't really know him, but when I did my research on him, giving a fair shake, it, it didn't surprise me that he went to the second round. In fact, he—the Titans actually traded up to get him in the second round. So at yeah. least he's going to some place where they wanted him. But, yeah, I mean, I know you're going to talk a lot more about Will's situation and a lot more. What, what do you got cooking this weekend? You know that you know we're going to be taking care of the draft, of course. Now, are we going to be able to do all seven rounds? No. So, uh, otherwise, I'll ruin the whole show. So, we'll, we'll take care of uh, the, the most important of the first round. Uh, of course, we'll also talk about the arrival of Aaron Rodgers coming to New York. Oh, boy. Um, we got tons of playoffs to do. We got the NHL. We got the NBA. We got the... XFL playoffs. We'll also take care of the USFL, uh, MLB baseball, uh, Mexican cockfighting if we have time. Oh boy. Um, UFC and UFC and WWE. Uh, Steve will take care of that. So it should be a very interesting show tomorrow. And I'll also have our monthly feature of the best and worst of the month. And I think I got a few. So between 4 and 6 p.m. tomorrow, Eastern Time, dial the following number 512 543 4662. If you get 512-543-4662 between 4 and 6 p.m. And it's East Coast time, not West Coast, not Mountain, not West, Eastern time. That's right, folks. Make sure you check out Lou from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. He has a YouTube show as well as 512 I'm on YouTube. All you got to do is type in, uh, we get to YouTube, t- type in the Enhanced Sports Show, and uh, you'll see me in all my glory. Oh, God. <laughs> That's right. The Enhanced Sports Show, YouTube. And, and if you look at, if you scroll down, you'll see where it says to, um, if you want to subscribe or not. That's your choice, but I appreciate it if you could. So, you get the idea. But that's all the information down on the screen at the bottom if you go, in, if you go into the site. Enhanced, and it's they find you on the Enhanced Sports Show. Is that right? That's correct. That's, that hasn't changed. Enhanced Sports Show, and the phone number 512-543-4662. Again, that's 512-543-4662. The Enhanced now, Sports Show with Lou. That's you guys are confused. So look at the two sixes in the middle. Yep. That's what they get mixed up. There's two six in the middle, four, six, six, yeah. two. So, yeah, definitely check out Lou. We always appreciate you, Lou. Thanks a lot. 
Oh, you're very All welcome. Right. It's always a pleasure. And of course, uh, the and of course the big shock of the week, the Knicks make the second round. The Bucks don't. That's right. That's a that's a lot to unpack right there. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. So definitely, but always a pleasure, Lou. Okay, hopefully you get a chance to play during playoff season. Okay, sounds great. Yeah, great. Okay. All right. Good night. Oh, take it easy. Have a great night and yeah. always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Lou. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care, yourself. Yeah, that's our great friend of the show, Lou. Always great to hear from him. Always uh, fantastic. Really appreciate Lou. And, yeah, we got a lot to discuss. You know, we, we have the draft. And you know what? Credit to Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama, went first first in the, the draft, just as people expected. There was no surprise there. In the first round, besides Will Levis, there actually wasn't too many surprises. People went just about where people predicted. And then you have C.J. Stroud, quarterback for the Houston Texans, and – he got drafted from Ohio State. You have Houston, Texas with the third pick, so they had the second and third pick. They had Will Anderson Jr., the edge from Alabama. See, if you're from Alabama, you're going to always get a lot of attention when it comes to draft picks if you shine. That, that's a, a name that usually a lot of draft picks NFL players come from. And then we have from the Indianapolis Colts, Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida. So, and I'll just go over the top five, last but not least, of the top five of Seattle Seahawks via the trade. Devin Witherspoon, quarterback for Illinois. So, congratulations to all the picks, and congratulations to the first-round picks as well. You know, this is my thought on being a first or second or third round pick. I look at the picks and the draft as kind of like a start of your journey. It's if you're a first round draft pick or second round, you're going to get the best opportunity to get a contract for a nice size contract. You know, bonus, you kind of get out the gates, you get out the gates in rushing. You know, you get out the gates running. You secure a bag. But to me, the draft is just the start of your career. It's not the end-all, be-all. If I'm a player and I'm going into the NFL, no matter where I get drafted, I'm looking to be in the NFL for a long time. You know, one of the jokes that they say about the NFL is NFL, not for long. You want to be a person that's in the NFL and has a long, productive career. And then at the end of the career, you get to the Hall of Fame. The reason why I say all this is because whether you're a first-round draft pick, you should be proud of that, or a second-round draft pick, or even a third or maybe a lower draft pick, it's not the end-all, be-all of your career. One of the people that we talked about earlier, Will Levis, that got criticized a lot because he had a very attractive girlfriend, the reason why he was getting criticized for those who don't know is because he fell down out of the first round thinking he was going to 
he was kind of like buying his own hype, thinking he was going to fall in the first round. It did not happen. And his girlfriend throughout the first round was making those looks. You know, it kind of came across. I've never met her. I don't know her. But it came across as kind of snobbish, kind of like, okay, I I thought you promised me you're going to be in the top 10, and you're not. What's going on? This is getting embarrassing, rolling the eyes. And all those body language was speaking volumes like, hey, you were supposed to be my meal ticket, and now and that meal ticket is slipping. I'm not saying that's the case in this situation, but that's kind of like the portrayal of the image that was coming across to people. It's The draft is, again, in my opinion, a great start and a great opportunity for you to secure a bag. However, there's been a lot of first, second, and third round picks that were not what we expected them to be in the league, maybe a year or two or three, and they're out of the league. So it's not, it's just, you know, time for you to get shine on time for you to potentially secure a bag, but this is not your career. You want to get in there, be productive, learn, evolve, and have a productive career. Cause I can tell you from a person who's met a lot of pro athletes, a lot of football players, covering the XFL, a lot of them from the NFL and things of that nature, you want to stick around and you want to be productive with your time. You want to look at it because football, it becomes less of, let's say, a fun game and it becomes more of a business when you sign with the NFL. This is coming from NFL players, meaning you're basically waking up in the morning, Thinking about football, afternoon, night, you start early in the morning, your day doesn't end until like 8, 9 o'clock, and throughout that day, you're either practicing, lifting weights, watching film, reading your playbook, and then the next day, it's the same thing. So you want to get out the gates, you know, good, but it's not the end of the race. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I look at the draft as a great way for you to get started but you still have a long journey to go. So congrats to the guys who got signed, but look at it as, okay, this is now behind me. Now the journey begins. So look at it like that. That's how I look at the draft. And, you know, because, hey, sometimes people like Tom Brady, you don't get drafted not even the first, second, third, or fifth round. You get drafted way down the list, one of the last picks, and you end up being a GOAT. Because it's a journey, it's not a sprint. Always remember that. So if you're a first-round draft pick, guess what? Sometimes it's better not to be a first-round draft pick just because you don't have to deal with all the pressure and the quote-unquote expectations. So look at it as an open mind. And I just want to say to all the haters with the Will Levis thing, okay, ha-ha, it was funny. But at the end of the day, getting drafted in the second round, that is official. He got drafted in the second round. That's pretty good. He's still going to be financially sound. He's going to have to, now he could use that as motivation and fuel and learn from this to be better. Cut down the cockiness. Make sure you get that foot taken care of. Go ahead and ball out and learn, 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 and you'll be all right. And don't, and cut that cockiness out. People don't like cocky. 
You know, you got a long way ahead of you before you can start being cocky, especially in the NFL. And that's why I tell players don't get cocky anyway, because, you know, it's no guarantee that you're going to stick around. So always be hungry. But props to one draft pick that did come out, and that was Joey Porter Jr. He got drafted by, coincidentally, the Pittsburgh Steelers in the second round, number 32 pick. They moved up to get him. He's a corner. So props to Joey Porter Jr. for being picked up by the Steelers. That is the son of Joey Porter, somebody who I've actually met when they played and they were here for a visiting game, signed autographs, was really cool. Now Joey Porter is with the XFL for the Bahamas. Major props. That's a really cool story that Joey Porter Jr. got drafted by the Steelers, the same organization that drafted Joey Porter Sr. So props to the, the Joey Porter family. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack because there's a lot of great picks. The Bucks did get in the 19th, 19th pick, first round, defensive end, Kalija Kansi. And that's Kalija Kansi. You know, I got to take a little practice on his name. So forgive me if I didn't say it perfectly. But Kalija definitely got drafted, and that was really cool by the Bucks. It's exciting to see him get picked up. They also got in the second round, offensive line, Cody Mock. So definitely they got some beef in the first round, a defensive end and an offensive lineman. So props to the Bucks on their draft pick. One thing the Bucks usually do is they usually draft well. So let me go ahead and bring on the man of the hour, Aaron, right now. Hey, how you doing? All right, so we – just having a little technical difficulty, Aaron. But let me give that round of applause for the Bucks and their picks, the first-round picks. I should say the first and second-round picks. But, yeah, that's always – it's a, one thing I got to say about the Bucks. The Bucks, you know what? The Bucks usually draft really, really well. I have to say that much. Mike Evans, John McCoy, and congratulations, John McCoy, in his retirement. You know, they, they, those are first-round picks that they got. And usually the Bucks do actually very well on their draft picks. I got to give them credit. Let me go ahead and try Aaron again. Hey, how you doing? Hey, second time's a charm. How's the evening going? Here you go. Doing great. How about yourself? <laughs> how you been? Hey, not too bad. Not too bad. I apologize to our listeners. The event that I attended here this evening went a little little longer than I had anticipated. Uh, I want to uh, just give a quick shout out here to my, uh, my oldest son, Jake. Uh, he was uh, inducted as an officer to uh, the FFA at his high school here this evening. And uh, I got to say, they had a great, uh, great uh, spread uh, there of the food. I should have taken some uh, Chef G's barbecue sauce with me. They had some great brisket there tonight, and it would have been uh, an added uh, benefit to have it there. So, um, But happy to be here nonetheless. Uh, obviously, the NFL draft is uh, in full full uh, motion, and uh, I know I heard you talking about the Bucks there uh, just a moment ago. Um, what are your thoughts early on on the draft as a whole? And then, of course, what the Bucks have done here so far. I thought the the draft as a whole was, to me, Outstanding. It was actually one of the better drafts that I've actually watched in the regard that 
it was one of the drafts that everything was fairly accurate to what people reported. You know, definitely the, the top five, I thought it was very accurate. I guess the only person that was not picked that was expected to be picked was Will Levis. What are your thoughts on Will? And then we'll kind of get into the other picks. What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, this was something that it was kind of thought could happen. He could end up spilling over to the second round, and he ends up going to Tennessee. I think that's a great, uh, great selection for them. Um, you're not overpaying for a guy in the first round because, as many people know, you get paid better the higher you're drafted. Those draft picks have uh, a slot value to them, if you will. Um, and so going in the second round is not a bad thing. And look, let's look at some quarterbacks that went in the second round. I believe Lamar Jackson went in the second round at one point, and he's now the highest paid player in the NFL, in the history of the NFL. And, and so that's not a bad thing necessarily to go, um, you know, in the second round. And I, I could be wrong on the Lamar part. I, I have to go back and check when he was drafted. It might have been the late first round. But either way, he knows where he's going to be playing now. Um, this is a franchise in Tennessee that needs a, 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 a face. And the nice thing about it for – Will Levis is he played at Kentucky, so you're not too far out of the same market where you played your college ball. I've heard people say he might be a bust. I've heard people say he could be a really good quarterback. So it's going to be one of those things to kind of wait and see on. Um, that's really the only pick, because I've been so busy here, that's the only pick in the second round that I I actually um, am aware of at this point. I think I kind of got the first couple picks on my phone. And it's funny because at this event tonight, my wife tapped me on the shoulder and said, Will Levis got drafted by uh, Tennessee, <laughs> and we kind of laughed about it. So, um, But uh, as far as the, the first round, I wasn't surprised with Bryce Young going to Carolina. Um, I think that's a great pick. And I, I texted you this, uh, I believe it was yesterday or might have been earlier today. Houston, they may not be a particularly great team. I, I don't see why they wouldn't be better uh, than they were this past season. I don't think it's going to take a whole lot to do that. But they are going to be, I believe, a very, very good, if not great team in the next three, four years with all these picks, with, you know, being able to, to um, you know, have another pick in the first round right out, uh, uh, or sorry, the extra picks they got in this round, I believe, or in this draft, they have 11, no, I'm sorry, 12 overall picks in this draft. And normally most teams only have seven. So I think that with the new coaching uh, situation there, Again, I don't know if 2023 is going to necessarily yield what they want as a playoff contender. I don't think that'll be the case, but I think they're going to be in a much, much better position going forward with a new um, a new staff and, of course, some shiny new wheels uh, to go with it. So, No, you're absolutely right. And, and props to them because, for those who don't know, they got actually the first-round pick, number two and number three, via the trade. So they got C.J. Stroud, a quarterback, and then the very next pick, they got Will Anderson Jr. in edge from Alabama. So, yep. yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. And out of 32 teams, that doesn't happen too often. No, it yeah, does so. and, and it was nice to see that for them because, again, you you took one of the top two quarterbacks. Let's be honest here. Bryce Young and, and, uh, and C.J. Stroud were the number one and number two guys on most uh, people's lists of, of best quarterbacks. So you got – the number two guy, uh, that's, that's pretty good. And you got the best defensive player in this draft, I think, uh, there at number three. So you can't go wrong. You just increase your offense and your defense immensely um, in, in the second and third pick overall in the draft. I, I don't think that the, 
I don't think that the Houston Texans can complain or, or go wrong with this. And I, again, I, I just I feel like they're going to be uh, be a very very quick turnaround from a team that won one or two games, uh, maybe three games the last couple of years, to a team that again probably not this coming season, but I think by 2024, unless everybody regresses, I think they have a really good ch- uh, chance to be a really really good team. And keep in mind too, they can bring in other pieces from trades and from free agency and future drafts as well. Yes, they can. And, you know, that's kudos to them. That was really cool. I would say that the draft, besides Will Levis, him going to second round, which, to your point, as I was saying it earlier, that, okay, it's it's not – people made it like it's such a big deal, but going to second round is not a big deal. That's still – you're still going to get a nice bag. You're still going to be in very good shape. Yes, you're not number one, but financially you're going to be fine. And really – to me, the draft is really just your start of your career. It's not the end-all, be-all. You want to have a long career and make it to the Hall of Fame. And I did want to mention one thing, too, Aaron, before I forget. What I thought was really cool in this draft was the fact that Joey Porter Jr., the son of Joey Porter, got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in round two. He was the number 32nd pick. Pittsburgh Steelers moved up to get him. I thought that was really cool. That's That's kind of like your son and your yourself played for the Steelers. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that, that, that's a very good point there. And, and obviously a, a somewhat of an icon there in Pittsburgh too. So that's a really neat thing to see that happen. Um, obviously, you know, the first and second round are usually the biggest one and you have the, the longer amount of time between picks. You have more analysis from the ESPNs and the, NFL networks of the world, obviously that's a pretty big thing right there to hear your name called and then talk to whoever the reporter is on stage. Now we get to rounds three through seven tomorrow. Um, it's kind of a lightning round. You know, it's very, very quick. You'll see a couple of trades that will happen here and there. Um, a lot of excess players, if you will. There's a lot of value in those guys. Um, the nice thing about that is the value comes from the production that they provide and the inexpensibility, if you will, that's probably not a word, inexpensibility. I make that up here tonight. We'll get it added to the dictionary later. Um, but, you know, inexpensibility in that they're not costing them as much money as a first or second round pick does. So um, think about players that went in the third round. And I'm talking about, historically speaking, Joe Montana, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, was a third round pick. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Russell Wilson was also a third round pick as well. I have to go back and check that. Um, he might have been a six-round pick, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I have to go back and again check the facts on that. But uh, you find guys in those those uh, rounds sometimes. Uh, Dak Prescott was a later-round pick with the Cowboys, and he's had a, a fairly um, fairly successful NFL career. Obviously, it's in Dallas, so it may not turn out the way he wants it to. But <laughs> um, but uh, you know, again, the value that's there and adding some depth, especially as I mentioned before, Houston. They have 12 picks overall in this draft. That's a huge, huge thing to have. Yeah, so you you're right. I mean, not only that, in the later picks, I mean, the goat Tom Brady, he was not a high draft pick, one of the last picks I think, and you know he ended up being the goat. So for the players who did not get drafted in as high as they thought they should have or wanted to, it's not the end all be all. You still have a long career. This is just the start. Yes, it, you like to your point, Aaron. You can get you can command a higher 
at least starting bag when you are number one pick, but it's not the end all be all. What are your thoughts on on that? Where you know, should you feel bad if you're not in the first round, or let's say you drop to the third round? I can understand having your hopes built up, and you know they kept cutting on the camera last night to Will Levis, um, especially when you started looking at some of the teams that might go quarterback in the first round. You know, middle round. I, I don't think anybody really thought he was going to be a top ten pick. I think it was middle middle to late first round. And it reminded me a little bit, um, going all the way back to 2005, when Aaron Rodgers, who at one point, now he was a little bit of a different story. He thought he might be number one overall to San Francisco. They went with Alex Smith. The rest, of course, as they say, is history. Um, with Will Levis, they kept cutting to him because he was the last of the five or six quarterbacks that were expected to be first round picks. He was the last one on uh, on the, um, you know, on the chart, if you will. And so they kept cutting back to him, cutting back to him, cutting back to him. And then he started to look at, unless a, a team trades up from, you know, either the very end of the first round or somewhere in the second round, you kind of started looking at some of the teams and you're thinking, okay, well, that team just drafted a quarterback last year, or they have a franchise quarterback already that's under contract. You're not going to see them draft a quarterback. So you kind of started to feel, okay, this is not going to happen for him in the first round. Um, it's not the end of the world. Really, the biggest difference is the expectation is going to be a lot higher when you're a first-round pick, and the money is going to be a lot higher. And, you know, at the end of the day, for the most part, these guys are making a lot of money as it is anyways, and it's, it's a pride thing. It's an ego thing. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I'd be disappointed if I thought I was going to be in the first round and I ended up sliding all the way down to the 35th or 36th overall pick. That would be disappointing to some degree. I, I can see why he was really disappointed because, he, he, you know, let's call for what it is. Will was being a little cocky. So, yes, if you're in Will, you're going to be like crushed in a way because, man, you're thinking you're going to be in the top ten. You, he kind of bought his own hype, I, I would say. And when you buy your own hype, you start feeling yourself, these things happen. That's why you got to stay humble. But, you know, at the end of the day, yes, it's maybe not the way you want it to be. But you got drafted by a team that wanted you. They moved up to get you, and now you're in a position where you could, if you play really well, you could be the starter of the Texans. You understand? You're not. You don't have to. We have to compete hard, but the competition is not as stiff. What are your thoughts on that? Well, and I'll say it like this too. You know, you think about it. You had all that hype and all the thought of you're going to go in the first round, and then you finally get drafted. And I think the difference between him being cocky and a little bit overhyped in his own mind and buying into his own stock is going to be how he plays it out going forward. If he plays it out with a chip on his shoulder, like, man, I should have been a first-round pick, that's going to get in his way. That's going to turn him into, you know, being a sour player rather than, okay, hey, the Titans drafted me. They, they wanted me. They wanted me to be in Tennessee. They wanted me to be their franchise quarterback. That's the mentality and the attitude that he needs to take going forward. And look, he's going to a great team. They've got a lot of good pieces in place. They've got an excellent head coach. Um, they're building on the defensive side of the football as well. They're in Tennessee. And so I don't see any reason why they can't be a playoff team because let's be honest here, the AFC South, which is uh, Jack who won it, of course, this past year, Tennessee, as we're talking about now, Houston, they're not there yet. Um, and, Indianapolis, I thought, did a great job. I really like the Anthony Richardson pick there. I think he's going to be a another franchise quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. But they're not 
they're not there yet. They just made a coaching change. Uh, obviously, you've got to let the pieces fall into place. And it usually takes at least a year, if not more, probably a year in this case, because they're, they're pretty good at how they evaluate these things now. But it takes a year to figure out what you have and how to make the adjustments to make it better in year number two, three, and four and beyond. So I would say that Tennessee put themselves in a position where they can compete for that division now. I think it's between them and, and Jacksonville. No, yeah, they definitely – and they started looking really good towards the end of the year. Like you said, they got a great coach, and I like what they're doing. You know, just because a team wins one game or two doesn't mean that the team is as bad as its record is in all cases. And I think they're definitely not upside. And you always, at the end of the day, to your point, you want to get drafted by a team that doesn't just take you because you're available. They really want you. And I feel as if the fact that they moved up to get him, that should be a bolt of confidence for him. The team drafted up to get me. I'm in the second round. I'm still going to do my thing. And I'm going to prove the people who doubted me, hey, I'm here to play. This is why I should be considered as one of the better players in this league. Just go out there and ball out. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And I want to correct them, but I said there a moment ago about the, the rounds. Actually, the third round is taking place this evening as well. And I was just scanning through here on the uh, ESPN uh, website here. It looks like the big name I've seen taken in the third round. And I think this could be a very big uh, future piece here. Uh, 68th overall fifth uh, player picked in the third round, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee, uh, had a great uh, had a great season going before he in, unfortunately ended with a, a season-ending season injury. A lot of skill. Probably that injury cost him being a mid to late first round, early second round pick. Goes in the third round. This could be a very, very good piece for a much improved Detroit Lions team going into 2023. No, you're right, and that's the thing. That's, you know, overall, I I thought the teams did really well with their picks, and I love the fact of when guys get excited, you know, the team gets excited, the the GM gets excited when they get their guy. You know, that's that's good when they make that phone call. It, it's got to be a great feeling. Those men should be really proud of themselves. And before we go too much into draft, let me get your thoughts on. Aaron Rodgers and him signing with the Jets. We talked a little bit about this with Lou, but I definitely want to get your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers. I think this was I, – I, I had a feeling a week or so ago that this was going to be the week that this occurred. You, you weren't going to get past the draft. If you got past the draft, there was a chance that it wasn't going to happen. Now, I think it was really basically boiling down to what the Packers and the Jets were going to agree to. Now, I think in the long run, you two different ways. The Packers are looking at this in the grand scheme, the long run. They made some good picks, I thought, in this draft. Uh, they went defensive line, uh, defensive edge uh, in the first round, and they picked up a couple of tight ends and a wide receiver in rounds two and three. And so I think that improves where they needed depth offensively. Um, the nice thing for Green Bay, though, is they also get a conditional pick in next year's draft. So a year from now, if Aaron Rodgers – uh, takes uh, 65% or more of the snaps for the Jets here in 2023. The Green Bay gets New York's first-round draft pick next year. Um, so they possibly have two first-round picks in the draft in 2020, uh, 2024. 
Um, as far as Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, I think this is, I mean, we saw this coming six weeks ago, um, you know, when the reports came out that he agreed that that's where he wanted to go. And it was just working out the, the smaller details, which turned out to be bigger details, I guess, at this point. So um, I'm happy for him. Um, being it, that I am a Packers fan, I, I'm, I was ready for this a long time ago. You mentioned it before, when the team gets their guy, and I can remember three years ago, it was a weird draft because we were in the midst of the beginning of the pandemic and everything was, you know, different than we were used to. We're wearing masks and all the stuff that goes along with that. And I remember looking at the quarterback list and I remember thinking, I'm ready for Aaron Rodgers to be gone. I would love for the Packers to trade up and draft Jordan Love. And sure enough, it exactly to a T worked out that way. And he is now the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. So I think this is a win-win for both teams. I look at the Jets, and I said this a few weeks back. They're doing what Tampa did uh, three years ago. They're doing what Denver did with uh, Peyton Manning a decade or so back. They are trying to catch lightning in a bottle. They've got a really, really good nucleus of players. They needed that one guy to push them over the edge. I think Aaron Rodgers is that. Um, I think he's a good fit in New York. He likes attention. He likes the lights. He likes the Hollywood um, you know, story, if you will. And I think he's going to be a good fit there. Uh, whether they win or not, I don't know. But uh, I think they're a much improved team now. You have a winning quarterback versus a prospect, if you will, in Zach Wilson, who I think is still going to be a good quarterback somewhere. He'll get picked up by somebody else. Um, sometimes players can't play in that New York spotlight. I think Aaron Rodgers will do just fine there. No, you said it's just perfect. It's, it's not everybody can play in that New York spotlight. That media is relentless. And that's where I'm from. I'm telling you, you know, that's the only part that I feel as if Aaron's going to have to get adjusted to is dealing with that New York media. You know, they love the drama. They love to stir up the pot. It, it gets, it gets dicey very often, but I think it's, I think Aaron in the jets do make a great match. You're right. To your point, the jets do have a very nuclear, a very high caliber nucleus of players. I love their coach. I love what they're doing over there. And they, they needed to upgrade in quarterback, in which they will definitely with Aaron Rodgers. I just don't know if I would say they're in the category of making a Super Bowl. Why I say that is because, yeah, they might make a deep playoff run, but even with Aaron Rodgers and the nuclear of players they have, I don't see them beating the Eagles. I don't see them beating the Chiefs. I think those two teams are still – the cream of the crop, in order for you to win a Super Bowl, you have to beat one of those two teams. And I just don't see them ascending that fast to that level right away. I think they're going to be a very good team, but winning a Super Bowl is a different ball game. I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't see it going that far. Yeah, I, I want to wait and see how this team looks in, uh, in, in training camp before I get to the point of saying they're – a Super Bowl contender. I think they're definitely a better contender now than they were a year ago. And I think in that division, I think you moved up a notch. You're definitely better than New England. Um, but you're in a division that has Miami, and you're in a division that also has Buffalo. Now, I'll say this. You have a quarterback who has a lot more accomplishments than any of those other guys in that same division. So I will, I will put the Jets up there as a team that I think can play with Buffalo. I think that it's going to have to be um, – you know, proven with at least one win against them in, uh, in division play during the regular season. But I think they're better than Miami right now. 
to be real honest with you. I think they have the pieces in place. They brought in some other uh, pieces as well. Um, you know, and unless it just collapses, here's the interesting thing that maybe not a lot of people know. They brought Nathaniel Hackett in. He was the Packers offensive coordinator for several years. Some of those best years of, of the last few years in Green Bay. He got the Broncos job last year. It didn't last very long, unfortunately. One and done. He goes back to being an offensive coordinator, and he's in New York. He had a lot to do with Aaron Rodgers' success the last several years in Green Bay. So I think him going there, um, sometimes bringing back a, an old friend like that is going to be very helpful. So I think the Jets are, are for real. I think they're going to be a really, really good team. And keep in mind, too, they have a really good defense uh, as well. They're really building on that side of the football. That's really been the key to getting them going in the right direction. That, they, have, they have a winning quarterback, a proven winning quarterback, future Hall of Famer, of course. Now you got a defense starting to really get better. Robert Salah, their coach, I really like him. I think he's going to do a great job again going into year three. So I have the Jets being a pretty solid team this year. No, definitely. I definitely have them being one of the better teams, and I love what they're doing over there. They're improving, and, and they're getting better as, as they go along, especially with Aaron. That's that's big. You know, it definitely props to them. And congratulations, they got the guy. But another thing that did happen this week was just Lamar Jackson, and we have Justin Hurts, who got his deal. What do you think about those deals that got made? Yeah, no, I yeah. mean, uh, for Lamar, I'm, I'm happy for him. I think this is long overdue, almost a year overdue, to be quite honest with you. And why it got to this point is still a mystery. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, obviously – and we, we've talked about this round and round for the last probably six weeks or so on the show. Um, we didn't have an agent. You know, there's a lot of different things that were going into it. The owners were, were trying to, you know, squash the, the contracts and, and that sort of thing. It gets $185 million guaranteed. It's a five-year, I think it's $260 million, if I'm not mistaken. I, I might be a little bit off on the numbers there. Um, but good for him. Now, I brought this to your attention I believe it was yesterday or might have been the day before when that trade was, or when that signing rather was announced. I thought he was going to get traded. And I think a lot of people did too. I thought because he asked for a trade that he was going to go to either Atlanta, possibly Miami, um, the Jets before they ended up with Aaron Rodgers were even considered. And then so was Washington. Um, I'm a little surprised because it seemed like the damage was undoable. Like they weren't going to be able to repair whatever it was. But like I told you, sometimes a lot of money will, change your mind in a really quick uh quick moment so <laughs> yeah and I, I i do believe lamar actually deserved his contract i really do and i felt as if the ravens were actually the wrong in the wrong the way they were treating lamar this is a guy who's been very loyal to your organization he's been a model student model guy he's been balling out he deserved a very lucrative deal now where i feel lamar kind of got caught up is that number one I feel as if he should have got an agent yes an agent does cost you a little bit of money but sometimes when it comes to agents it's like you have to pay a little to get a lot more sometimes you understand sometimes Mm -hmm. you got to do that and by you not getting an agent you might actually it's kind of like save a few pennies but you go end up cost you a lot of dollars instead you understand so I think that was a mistake. And also I think he had in his head, he had to get a deal like Deshaun Watson. And he did ask for a trade. 
things were got really contentious over there. The fact that I think they got Odell Beckham made it better for Lamar to get his deal because now it's like, okay, you got this guy in here. That means that you're trying to at least win some games. How are you going to win games? You've got a very good receiver and you don't have who, who's going to play quarterback. So I'm glad that Lamar Jackson got his deal. I'm actually very happy for him because I feel as if he earned his deal. I'm glad he got his deal. No, well said. I agree with you hundred percent on that. Um, you know, and here's the thing now, now he's going to, he's already lived up to the billing of why he was able to get such a big contract. Now he has to play like he's the guy who's, who's earned that going forward. Uh, we've seen in some situations, unfortunately in the past where guys get that big, big contract and they start playing poorly. So I don't, I don't expect that for him. Um, and I, I think Baltimore is in a good position. If they can build their defense back up, now they're in a tough division. You, you share a division with Cincinnati, of course. They've been a really good team the last couple of years. Pittsburgh uh, obviously is in there as well. And, of course, Stephen Brown. So, um, you know, you're in a division where even finishing in second place isn't a bad thing because you got so much competition there. So, um, but glad for him, like you said. I, I don't think you, I could have said it any better. I think that was uh, perfect there. And, again, now that saga is over, um, and the Rodgers saga is over. So I guess we'll have to look forward to whatever the next quarterback drama will be uh, going either into the season or into the offseason next year. No, exactly. There's always drama there when it comes to quarterbacks. <laughs> but they got their deal. You know, I'm happy Jalen got his deal too. And his deal was actually a little bit of a surprise because they still had another year to contract. But they was like, you know what? We – We've seen enough. We love this guy. We want him to stick around. I was very happy for him, too, because I feel as if he's earned his deal, too. And the great thing with Jalen's deal, there is no drama. They signed him before the contract was up, well, a year ahead of time. They wanted their guy, and they got him. And, you know, kudos to them for making it the contract and the transition easy. Yeah, no, they, they definitely have seen what they needed to see to give him what he got. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, really, that's the model that, in my opinion, Baltimore should have followed. Um, you know, obviously it didn't work out that way, but but I, I like Jalen. I think he's a great, a great individual, certainly a, a very good leader in Philadelphia with the Eagles. And, you know, for him to get the deal that he got, you know, more power to him. He definitely deserved it. He earned it, um, you know, and – so many people doubted him, and I, I, what I love about him, and there's a few other guys in the league that have done this too, but what I like about him so much is the fact that, you know, some guys take that negativity and they, they kind of put up these defenses, and, and he wasn't like that. He, he actually took the fact that many, many people doubted him because of his size and, oh, he was a good quarterback in college. It won't happen in the NFL. He won't be able to scramble around like that in the National Football League. And he looked, he used that as motivation to get to where he's at now, and Going back to what I was talking about before, he actually was a second-round pick by the Eagles back in, I believe it was 2019, 2020. I think it was 2019. So he's a, he's a good example of a quarterback who maybe fell a little further than he thought he was going to fall because I think most people thought he was going to be a first-round pick in, in the year he was drafted. And he ended up going in the second round to the Eagles. And look, he's led them to a Super Bowl um, a loss, unfortunately, but he's led them to a Super Bowl. And so now he's getting his big contract. And – you know, Philadelphia is in a great position to be a great team going forward, in my opinion, coming off the uh, great year they just had. They do. And the Eagles are a team that they they push the envelope. And they definitely have a capability of 
if the Kansas City Chiefs are not on their A game, the Eagles always have a chance to beat you, and they're innovative. Speaking of Eagles, they actually are interested in taking one of the XFL rules. For those who don't know, they are interested in that fourth and 15 rule where instead of you kicking an onside kick, you get at the 20-yard line. At the, I'm sorry, at the 15-yard line, you're allowed to go for a four, fourth and 15. If you convert the 15, fourth and 15, you continue to get possession of the ball. And that only works if you're behind in the game. If you're ahead of the game, you can't institute that rule. But if you are behind, you can do a fourth and 15. You convert that fourth and 15, you get to keep the ball, and you just got to keep driving down there to get a score. So the Eagles, you know, they, they are an offensive-minded team. I love the fact that they love pushing the envelope on the offensive side. What do you think about the Eagles in there? Willingness to kind of push you off of the all the time in the offense. Well, I mean, it's good to be balanced. Obviously, um, it worked out for them pretty well in 2022. And again, they're in a division that has some pretty good teams as well. Um, and they were a, they were an elite team this year. And they and they were honestly they were one or two plays away from winning the Super Bowl this past year. So, um, I think they're one of the cream of the crop teams in the NFC right now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. They they have a very good team. They're improving. You know, they, they got a team where they got their quarterback now secured. They're looking very good for not just, you know, next season. They're looking very good for the future. And if you're looking to beat the Eagles, man, you got your work cut out for you because they're doing big things over there. So Eagles, are. I, I love what they're doing. Yeah, I would say they're in great shape going forward. Uh, no question about it. Yep, and one thing, one person who is not in great shape, unfortunately, is, which I'm really curious to get your story. Let me tell some of the listeners what's going on. We're shifting gears to Major League Baseball. What happened in Major League Baseball was ESPN Major League Baseball reporter Marley Rivera. She got fired over a dispute with a fellow reporter, Yvonne Giddy, who is also, I got to make sure I let the, the listeners know this fact, Yvonne Giddy, who had the conflict with Marley, Marley is the one who got fired. She is the wife of a Major League Baseball vice president of communications, John Blundell. So those are the factors. So um, basically, Marley, this is the facts. Marley had an appointment with Aaron Judge to get an interview with him. So Marley had an appointment with Aaron Judge to get an interview with him. And what ended up happening was Yvonne Giddy basically said, uh-uh, I want to get an interview with him. She kind of bum-rushed and kind of like bulldozed her way in to Aaron Judge. She ignored the request from Marley saying, hey, I had an appointment with him. She basically said, Oh, well, and she went ahead and tried to get the interview with Aaron Judge. If you ever, if you do watch the video, Aaron Judge is right there. So he heard everything. He wasn't like, like looking like all into it, but you could tell he heard what was going on. Basically, neither one of them, unfortunately, got the interview with Aaron Judge after all of that. And Marley Rivera called Yvonne basically a two-word, bad language word that we won't say on here, 
but she got terminated as a result of it being, of course, caught on camera, and it was with an earshot of Aaron Judge. After she did that, Yvonne kind of asked Aaron Judge for the interview, and he said, well, I'll get with you basically in a few days. So he blew off the interview after all of that. Neither one of them got the interview. Aaron, what are your thoughts on this story? Well, uh, obviously, this a bad representation of yourself uh, to make that kind of uh, the, the words that were used there, which, again, we're not going to repeat on air. Obviously, this is a family show, um, and I don't approve of that kind of language as it is anyways. So, but to misrepresent, to, uh, to misrepresent yourself and to represent yourself in a, such a poor light for a network like ESPN, that's a, a network that has integrity as far as, you know, wanting to make sure that stuff like this doesn't get out. The fact that it was said... And it was so publicly put out there, you know, the YouTube videos are popping up here and there. That's the reason why she got fired, because basically ESPN is saying, look, we're not going to tolerate this kind of stuff being said on our network. And, you know, whether I agree with the, the firing or not, you know, it is what it is. Um, it's unfortunate. I'm not sure that it has anything to do with Devon Gady's uh, spouse being uh, high up in Major League Baseball. I'm sure that didn't help. I, I don't think that's probably... It's probably easy to spot that, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, sometimes you, you on the job make those kind of decisions. It's going to cost you, it's going to cost you big time. And Alan, you and I, uh, when we were colleagues together, I won't say the name of the company where you and I uh, previously worked together, but, you know, we were using phones and talking to people on the phone. And if something like that was said in the background where maybe a customer or person you're speaking to heard that, the company would probably come down on you pretty hard. So I don't see it as being any different in this situation as opposed to what I just mentioned there as an example. No, you're absolutely right. And that's actually what came to my mind when I first heard the story. The great thing is I heard the story first, and then I didn't actually see the video two, two days later. The video wasn't out yet. But this is a perfect example of when you're in a situation in corporate America – People will try to bait you into bad stuff. Like, cause this, this kind of reminded me to your point, Aaron, of a situation I had at this same company that we worked together with, where somebody baited me into a reaction that I normally wouldn't give in 99% of the time, but they caught me, you know, sometimes the, the stars line up for somebody when they bait you and you fall for the bait. I didn't say a bad word or anything but you could clearly tell that I was annoyed and irritated visually. You could just see it. And I got called into the office and I said, Hey, I said that exact line that I'm saying right now to all our listeners, 99.9% of the time, I know people try to bait me and I ignore it, but this particular person caught me in the wrong time, wrong place. And yes, they got a reaction out of me where I was obviously visually upset. So, I do believe, after watching this video, though, Aaron, that Yvonne Giddy was unprofessional, too. She did not give yeah. Marley what you call professional courtesy. If, you, if she clearly said, I had an appointment with Aaron Judge, you should respect that. And you shouldn't have a sense of entitlement that you should bum rush her and just bull rush the interview. I've actually, as a reporter, had that happen to me. Somebody wanted to interview somebody. I had an interest in interviewing. I kind of deferred to them and said, okay, no problem. You can go first. 
I let them go ahead and give their interview. And I stood back, and when they were done, I got my interview in. You understand? It's, it's called professional courtesy. She didn't really show good professional courtesy, aside from the fact that her husband is a big wig. And what I also did notice watching this video is the two of them seemed like they had, to, to Molly's point, they seemed like they had an ongoing feud. And this kind of boiled over. Emotions ran high. And Molly said a little bit more than she wanted to and got terminated. And I feel bad for her because she was there for 17 years. But, you know, as somebody like yourself and myself, we work in the media. I did, you know, full disclosure, did try to reach Marley to reach out to her to see if she would be willing to h- h- tell us her side of the story on our show. Unfortunately, let me tell the listening audience this, too. These are facts that you should know. Twitter, her page was gone. Instagram, her page was gone. Almost all her social media pages were gone except her Facebook page. But her Facebook page, it hasn't had a post since 2016. So I don't know if it's still – it had a you know a verification page where the blue check mark, but it, it didn't seem like she was using her Facebook page that much. So I wish her the best, but to your point, Aaron, unfortunately, you got to you – you can't fall for the bait. Yeah, and let's let's be honest and clear here on this too. You know the um, economic times that we're in right now. You know a lot of companies, even ESPN, they're they're looking for any reason, unfortunately, um, to if they need to move on from somebody, move on. So that's something that happens, and you know, unfortunately, she shot herself in the foot, if you will, um, and she'll probably resurface somewhere else. I mean, that typically happens. Somebody else gives an opportunity, but it's kind of like you worked your way up the totem pole. Now you got to start at the bottom again and work your way back up if you ever get that opportunity. So, uh, but yeah, definitely an interesting situation there. Um, I saw that story. I want to say it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I forget which, but um, definitely interesting one. It was eye-opening uh, to, to say the least. So, And they do. And that's the crazy thing is I watched a video. Aaron didn't interview either. He didn't do the interview either one. That's, that's the crazy thing. Neither one of them got the interview. That's even like, oh, man, even like putting salt on the wound. But to your point, I'll say this to Marley to make her feel better. ESPN, it's been well-documented, has been laying people off. I feel as if this kind of was kind of like maybe not – they were kind of looking for people who were been in there with tenure to kind of get rid of them. I think if she didn't get fired for this, they, it was coming. I feel like a layoff or something else was coming. It's been documented. And when you work in corporate America now, you're right, Aaron. It, people look at you as low-hanging fruit, you know? They're looking for mm-hmm. any reason to get you. You know, lay you off, fire you. That's just the way our economy is now. People are just looking to get rid of you, get somebody who's cheaper and younger, and just repeat the process all over again. Yeah, no, it's unfortunate. That's kind of the situation that we're seeing you know, play out at this point. So, uh, but let's be a lesson though to anyone else who's in that same type of situation where they want to get their, get their interview in first or, you know, feel like they're entitled to getting something quicker. Take a step back, you know, that professional courtesy that might save your job, <laughs> you know, and in this case, unfortunately for her, it, uh, it, it boiled over to the point of they had probably really no other choice, uh, but to do what they did. Right. You know, just take a deep breath. And as a reporter myself, I've, I've had that situation where 
I wouldn't say they they bum rushed me like I felt like Yvonne did. I did feel as if there was fault on. Let me just be clear. I do feel as if Yvonne Giddy had some fault on her side too. Yes, she did not get terminated, but I did watching this video did feel as if Yvonne played a factor in this too. Let me just say that. I think Marley did something that kind of crossed the line. I think she forced ESPN's hand. So I can understand why they terminated her, but let this be a lesson to people out there. Just show some professional courtesy. Even if you don't agree, just try to be hospitable with people. When you're working in corporate America, Aaron could tell you this is just like I do. You're not going to love everybody you're working with, but you want to make peace with everybody. You want to get along with everybody. Even if that means deferring to someone, sometimes it's better just to defer to them just to keep the peace so you don't have things escalate to this degree. Yeah, no, that's a very, very good point there for sure. So, wow, I know that it's been a fun year for uh, for you, especially given that you've been able to cover the XFL as we are in now the playoffs. And you tonight want to discuss the XFL news as well as prediction on that playoff going forward. Thanks. Yes, Aaron. It's been a real blessing covering the Orlando Guardians and the XFL. I have to say thank you to them. To them. I even put up a thank you post. It's been an outstanding experience. I've been delighted to be a part of it. The season is officially over. I did interview Coach Buckley, and I did want to say to all the players, I do wish them well because Coach is was the season ended with one and nine, and he basically said it's not a guarantee that some of the players and or coaches are going to be back. He made it very clear, even though I do think there's some very good players on the team that maybe you should hold on to. He made it clear that when you're one and nine, change is coming. So it, it, it sounded real shaky if you're a player or coach, whether you're going to be back or not. You can hear that interview right on YouTube, our YouTube channel, Alan Offred, just type it in. You'll see it. You'll see it for yourself. But having said that, I do agree with the coach on this. I do think in the North Division, the Seattle Sea Dragons versus the D.C. Defenders, I believe that's going to be the determining factor of who's going to win the championship game. I think the winner of that division, the North Division, is going to be the team I feel is going to advance. Who I feel is if it's going to be, as much as I want the D.C. Defenders to go ahead and win this thing because they had a 9-1 record, I just feel as if the Sea Dragons are on fire right now. And not only that, it's hard whether you're in the NFL and the XFL. It's just difficult for you to beat a team two times. Not that you can't do it, but that's something that a former NFL player told me Marcus Floyd, Pastor Marcus Floyd, told me many years ago, and it held true to this day, it is very difficult for you to beat a team twice when you're playing professional sports. And I feel like that's going to be the case, even though the Seattle Sea Dragons did win before. I'm sorry, the D.C. Defenders did win the first time they played, and the only time, I just feel as if it's going to be hard for them to beat them a second time. They are playing at home with D.C. Defenders, but I just – I do agree. I do think the Seattle is going to beat them. What are your thoughts on that, Aaron, beating a team a second time in the season? Well, it's difficult to do. I mean, you go back to some of the um, 
some of the, the great rivalries uh, in the NFL. I'll use that as a good example. You think about the early to mid-90s, the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys, and they played each other four consecutive years in the postseason, and whoever won in those playoffs games, it ended up being the team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. And so playing them again the next year, although Dallas did win two years in a row, playing them again that third year, you weren't going to be the third time for sure. I'll use another example. We talked to Coach Steve Sprayer here about six weeks ago, 1996. Florida's number one. Florida State's number two. They play each other in late November right after Thanksgiving, and Florida State wins that game. Uh, lo and behold, six weeks later, roughly six weeks later, um, they end up rematching in what was uh, eventually considered the national championship game, and Florida blew out Florida State. So it's, it's hard to especially when both teams are good. If one team is really bad and one team's really good, winning two times in a row isn't a big deal. But when you are two really good teams, back-to-back wins, it's very, very difficult to have that happen uh, where one team dominates. It does happen sometimes, but it's not as often as you would think. Yes, and that's the thing. I just feel as if the Sea Dragons are playing loose. They, they, they're playing with the team like they know what they're doing. You know, Jim Haslett is the, is, the, is the coach. He also has very good coaches around him. I just feel the fact that they, they have time now to kind of decipher what they, they have filmed to review. I just think it's going to be tough for them to win. The Seattle Sea Dragons is going to win in the north. I think the Houston Roughnecks are going to win in the south. That's the other division. But I do think if the Roughnecks face the Sea Dragons, I think the Sea Dragons are going to win it. There was one criticism a lot of people said is in the North Division, you had a team that was 7-3 and three that did not advance. That's the St. Louis Battlehawks. In the South Division, you had a team that was 4-6. and six. That's the Arlington Renegades. They are in the playoffs. People kept saying, A, it's not fair. We had seven and three wins. The other team had four and six, and they're advancing. We're not. Listen, guys, when you start a league, there are teams that are in the division, just like the Bucks. The Bucks had a losing record, but they still was able to advance. The division, you have to play three or four teams in your division. You have to beat out those teams. Whether the teams you know, have a losing record or winning record, that's what you are concerned with, beating the teams of your division. You know this when the season starts, so you can't complain about it later on in the year. And not only that, the chance that the St. Louis Battlehawks had to advance, you had to beat Seattle at home. You had over 35,000 people there at the XFL game in your home ball field, and you lost. You laid an egg. Not only did you lose, you lost pretty bad. You laid an egg against Ben Denucci and the Seattle Sea Dragons, and lo and behold, the Seattle Sea Dragons end up advancing and going into the playoffs. I'll give Jim Haslett credit. He said one of these teams in our division is going to have a very good record and not advance, and he was absolutely right. He said that about three games ago. What I'm saying about this is you're you're a St. Louis Battlehawks fan, and you're saying that, hey, we were 7-3, the other division was 4-6, it's not fair. You could cry me a river because, to me, that argument is weak. (laughs) You could cry me a river. That argument is weak. What are your thoughts on that in division play? 
No, and I like the way they've done that. You know, it makes winning a game and running up the score, those file points, if you will, it makes that more important. So um, if you want to fit unfair, it'd be unfair in the NFL, but that's not the way the rules are set up there. It's set up that way in the XFL for a reason to make it a different league. It's not just a football league. They want to have some rules that are a little bit more um, interesting, I guess. I mean, you remember back to the original XFL when they didn't have a coin toss, they had the two guys that would run and get the ball in the middle of the field and they basically fight for it. So it's kind of a similar thing in this sense where it's unusual. We're not used to it, but it may become the norm. You talked about it earlier where the Eagles want to adopt some of the, the rules that the XFL are using. They're one of the franchises that's pushing for that. Wouldn't be surprising if this is something they looked at too, maybe down the line to, to give a little bit more interest and pique the interest of the fans. That's really what it's all about. No, I totally agree. The consumer is definitely going to be happy. And me following the XFL, legitimately speaking, there are some of the rules that are very innovative that I would say that's one of the questions I asked Danny Garcia. Does it concern you or are you worried that the NFL might steal or swipe one of your rules? Because, you know, you know, it's like anything. You're going to have you're not going to have a competitive advantage or competitive disadvantage, whatever way you want to look at it. You're not going to be as different if they swipe some of your rules. And I'd even say the NFL probably is going to think about swiping some of the rules because there are some very, very innovative and very cool rules. Like to your point where sometimes you got to run up the score. I even asked the, the, the defense that the guardians, like, Hey, you do understand when you play this team that they don't just have to beat you personal feelings aside, they have to run the score up on you in order for them to make it to the playoffs. And that is legitimate. You know, personal feelings aside, they can't kick field goals. They have to try to score on you touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Does that concern you as a defense? And they're like, you know, we did talk about this as a team. We do know that. We're going to go out and do our best. Well, hey, these are the rules. And some of them are really cool. And I think the division play, you could cry me a river. You know what the rules are when the season starts. It is not unfair that one team made it and they're four and six. And you are seven and three. You did not. You're not in the same division as that team. You know, you should have beat Ben Denucci at home the game before the last game. That was your best opportunity to win because if you won, it was very simple. You beat the Seattle Sea Dragons. You advanced. If you did not beat them, now it's a what if scenario. Not only do you have to win the next game, you have to run up the score. You have to hope that this other team does something or don't do this. Doesn't score 34. You understand what I'm saying, Aaron? And now yeah. it becomes a what? Too many scenario. scenarios. Yeah, too, too many, many scenarios. scenarios. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, can you make it underneath that? Sure. But you don't want to be in that what if this, what if that. At that point, you have to ask yourself legitimately, do I deserve to advance? Yeah. No, that's a good, very good point there for sure. So. Well, we're excited to see how this uh, this playoff shakes out, uh, Alan. I know that um, you have uh, loved every minute and then some of the coverage that you've been able to get and all of the city interviews and the content. And, of course, we know that the Orlando Guardians are – a lot of them are following us or listening to us possibly here tonight. So a shout-out to those who are, uh, who are tuning in. And uh, certainly we look forward to covering you again next season as, of course, the XFL announced – there will be a year two, which is a great thing for uh, for everyone involved, including us here on this program. So, Alan, as we uh, wrap up the show here tonight, I know you had some boxing news and you wanted to review 
uh, the Garcia versus Tank fight. Yes, it was a very good fight. And I would have to say, before I kind of go into some of the details of the fight, I got to give props to Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis because they actually, for once in a blue moon, they threw us a bone, which doesn't happen too often in boxing. What I mean by that is this was a fight that a lot of the fans wanted to see. Both of the guys are in their primes. Both of them are great shape. And boxing actually went and made this fight happen, which doesn't happen too often in boxing. Usually the number one guy wants to fight the number 10 guy. They don't want to fight each other because no one wants to concede that zero, that zero perfect record. These two guys did fight. I give them credit. And Tank Davis, as I mentioned on our show last week, I felt was going to win the fight because I feel as if he was just a better technical boxer. He has power. And lo and behold, I was right. It showed that he was the better boxer. You know, it's not brawling, it's boxing. I, I'll steal that line from Floyd Mayweather. It's not brawling, it's boxing. The difference between brawling is just you swing it away, you're not really putting up your defense too good, and you're giving the fans something very entertaining because you're kind of trying to pummel the other guy. But true technical boxing isn't brawling. You have to counterpunch, defense is sharp, you have, it's more technical involved. I felt Tank was the more technical fighter. He definitely outclassed Garcia. He knocked him down in the second round, and he hit him with a very good body shot in the seventh round, and it ended the fight. But it, it, it happened the way I predicted. But I give Ryan Garcia credit. He did what a lot of other boxers are not willing to do, and he put his perfect record on the line, and he lost. But I give him credit. He, he owned up that Tank Davis was a better fighter, and he gave us a fight that we wanted to see. So props to Ryan Garcia. I wish a lot of boxers now get motivated to do that, to go ahead and fight the number one guy. Like, yes, I predicted Tank to win this fight, but, you know, we're not going to really know it 100% unless you actually do fight each other. Because at the end of the day, yes, Tank is a better boxer, but he still could make a mistake. That's the thing about boxing. You can get knocked out on one punch. If you lose focus or a guy throws a punch that you don't see where you could counter or get out the way, you could get knocked out. But props to boxing for making that fight happen. And also props to a lot of the people that showed up. I did see Manny Pacquiao showed up. Vegas was very electric. There was a lot of people that showed up to this fight. It made me think maybe, you know, if I didn't have a conflict, this would have been a great fight for, for us at the Allen and Aaron Sports and Greater to cover. But I did have a conflict with the XFL. But you know, I did watch this fight. It was very entertaining. What are your thoughts on that, Aaron, where sometimes you just got to go out there and risk it? Yeah, it's a different strategy, obviously, but sometimes that's the only way you're going to get to where you want to go is you got to take that risk. So um, <laughs> that's, that's my take on it there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just got to take a risk. Ryan did take a risk. I give him credit. You know, he did. He did. uh Put up a good fight. I know he did say he wants to get a rematch. To me, this fight, as much as it was entertaining, does not warrant a rematch. In order for you to get a rematch, in my opinion, you have to have you have to be very, very competitive or very close fight. When you get knocked down twice, and the second the second knockdown was the seventh round with a a body shot where you basically 
quit, it doesn't warrant a rematch, in my opinion. Tank showed that he was a superior boxer. Yes, I know that you might get another bag for it. I get all that. And maybe some fans might want to see you run it back. But to me, this fight does not warrant a rematch. Tank won convincingly. If they fought a week from now, they fought two weeks from now, they fought a month from now, six months from now, I still think Tank is still going to win. Do I think Ryan Garcia could ever beat him? Maybe. But it would take, I would say, at least a year, maybe two years of him training, getting some more boxing skills, and maybe Tank fights him down the road. But I don't feel as if they deserve a rematch within the next six months or a year. Let's see Tank fight someone else, and Ryan Garcia should fight someone else too. But it was an entertaining fight. Kudos to boxing for making it happen. I'll keep you in touch on the next boxing news. All right, Alan, I know you love covering the boxing news for us as well, so definitely appreciate that here tonight. Uh, I know I wasn't on the show at the beginning, uh, but I want to thank Lou for giving us uh, a reach out here this evening, uh, giving his opinion, of course, on the draft. I'm sure he's excited about having uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers there in uh, in New York now, as, as the whole saga is now done and over with. Um, so that's certainly a good there. I want to thank our excellent sponsor, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, for uh, for the partnership we've had with them for the last year or so, and, of course, uh, being such a great uh, barbecue sauce. Like I said before, I should have taken some with me tonight. It would have been a, a great addition to the uh, excellent food that I had. So, uh, But want to thank Alan. Uh, we really enjoyed doing this show. We'll be back again, of course, uh, same time, same place next week. Until then, have a great week, everybody.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 